Good morning. Welcome to February. I mean, it seemed like did, did it seem like January took forever. I mean, I, somebody joked that it had been January all year. Um, most of you didn't get that joke, but that's what I try to do over once in a while is tell a joke that nobody's going to pay attention to and get. So, <clears throat> welcome to Redwood. <laughs> But it is February, and uh, it is Super Bowl Sunday. Who's uh, excited for the Super Bowl? Who's, uh, just curious, who's excited for the 49ers? Okay. What, the Chiefs? Who's excited it's eight days till spring training starts? Woo! <laughs> what? NASCAR? NASCAR? Good grief. What do you think this is? Alabama? Sorry if anybody's from Alabama. I didn't really mean to offend you there. I, I did anyway, though. So, No, hey, uh, it is Super Bowl Sunday, and in case you hadn't heard, um, if you have nowhere to watch the game today, or even if you have a place, we've got a better place to offer. Right in this big multi-purpose room at Three o'clock, we are having our Super Bowl uh, chili cook-off. And so here's the fun thing. You get to come and hang out with us, and you get to bring the food for us to eat. So it's win-win for me. I mean, you know, you show up and bring chili, and, and I get to eat it. And uh, we're going to make this fun. It's, it's, a, it's a competition. We're going to see who's got the best chili. We've got a great prize for the winner. Uh, I really didn't want to say this ahead of time, but I'm going to go ahead and say this. The winner gets a year's supply of my respect. Um, so make sure you're here. Don't miss out on that. It's, it's going to be good. But no, we're going to have a great time. We're going to have the game on. We're going to have uh, plenty of food to eat. If you're really not into football, come anyway. We're going to have some board games, card games. We'll have stuff just to hang out and have a good, uh, good afternoon. It starts at 3 o'clock. The game starts at 3.30. We're going to be here at 3, um, getting ready to, uh, to get started with all of that. Uh, if you're uh, visiting here with us today, uh, we're glad that you're here. This is a bit of a different uh, take on a Sunday morning service. If you're visiting with us, if you're a uh, regular, we finished up our series, uh, Seeing Jesus in 2020, last Sunday. Today, we're going to take a pause before we jump into our next series and uh, kind of step back and look at uh, the state of, of the church, kind of the state of the church Sunday. Um, if you're familiar with... Um, politics or even just familiar with uh, TV in general, the president starts the year off with the State of the Union address. The governor, no matter who the governor is, has a State of the State address. And what they always do in these times is just take a moment and pause and uh, talk about what they hope to accomplish in the coming year. And so we're going to take a day today and just kind of look at uh, what we want to go towards in in the, uh, the coming year, in 2020. And yes, I took the whole cliche thing, today's the 2020 vision for Redwood Day, so uh, we're going to do that. But it, you know, it's, it's cliche and it's cheesy, but our hope is that when we lay out our vision a little bit more, it makes things more clear and does give us 2020 vision heading into the, this year. We look at this, and, and anytime I look at where the church is headed, I always try to step back and look where the church started. I know one thing I hear a lot, especially in the Christian church uh, tribe and in, in, in Christian churches around the country even, is we're, we're a New Testament church. We want to be a New Testament church. Well, I mean, let's, let's kind of be honest about it. If you looked at the New Testament churches, they all had a lot of problems. 
you know, and, and so let's just be honest. Churches sometimes have problems. We, we try to fight through those problems, and we try to get past those problems. And so you look at the New Testament, those churches that are listed there, the letters were written to them because they needed to figure some things out. But the very first church, <clears throat> the very first church that started, started off about as pure and, and with, with the right goals as you could possibly hope for. Very first church we see is in Acts chapter 2. Uh, if you've got a Bible and you want to jump there, we're going to read a chunk of Scripture. But to kind of recap this as you're turning there, uh, Acts chapter 2 uh, takes place on what's called the day of Pentecost, the festival of Pentecost. And Pentecost took place by its very name, that, that name translates to 50 days, basically after the Sabbath. Jesus was crucified on the weekend of the Sabbath, uh, he went to the grave. Two days later, he came out of the grave. He walked the earth for 40 days. Then he ascends back into heaven at the very beginning of Acts chapter 1. And then for 10 days, his disciples try to figure out what's next. Uh, he's told them some things. Hey, you're going to have uh, my spirit coming to you, and you're going to start my church. And I think their heads are spinning by what all's happened. I mean, you think about the last six weeks for them. Their leader has been killed, okay? And then he came back to life. Okay, that, that doesn't happen, but that happened. And then he walks with them for another, uh, you know, another six weeks, basically. Then he goes back to heaven. He floats off on a cloud to heaven. That doesn't happen either, right? But it did. And now they're sitting here in the upper room praying, asking God, what do we do? What do we do? We need to replace Judas. We need to uh, figure out what's next. And in Acts chapter 2, what we see is the Holy Spirit comes down. He makes his presence known. Uh, the, 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 those disciples start uh, speaking and understanding different languages. And Peter gets up and he gives this incredible sermon about, hey, we're starting this church. It's based on Jesus, who we believe is the Messiah. And then here's what happens at the end of Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. When we look at this, we see a very, very clear picture of what that early church looked like. And so my question is, as we head into 2020, you know, 2,000 years later from, from this very first church, uh, what can we take from this and how can we try to emulate it? In, in other words, what I want to do is kind of step back at this because there's a lot in this verse, this passage, it's six verses. There's a lot in these, these verses. What can we look at? I want to specifically highlight three things. And, and they're right here, that first verse, they devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to prayer. And I kind of want to take these and put them into modern church terms and, and look at how we can do three practices in 2020. How we can focus, and as uh, we as Redwood Christian Church are going to do these three things in 2020 so that we can improve our ability to follow Jesus and our ability to make an impact in this area for Jesus. So the first thing is this, if we want to uh, make a bigger impact for Redwood in 2020 is we want to worship together regularly. In other words, we want to make church a priority. It's that simple. Church needs to be a priority for all of us if we're going to uh, in, improve our impact in 2020. Writer of Hebrews in, in Hebrews chapter 10 is giving this passage on, on what my Bible has a heading, it says a call to persevere in the faith. 
In other words, to, to push through when times are tough, to, to, to just kind of bear down and, and withstand what the world is throwing at you. You think that we're getting stuff thrown at us in 2020? They were getting stuff thrown at them 10, 15 years after the time of Jesus. The church was under persecution then, just like it is now, and the writer of Hebrews gives this long list of ways that they can persevere in the faith, and one of the things he says down in verse 24 is, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up together, uh, giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Notice what he says there. Don't give up meeting together. There's many in the habit of doing this. I mean, he could be writing this about our church today. You think about this, we, we uh, see faces that are here once a month. And we look at this and we think, man, how can we as a church grow if, if we're not showing up? If we showed up to a job or to a training or to a schooling once a month, we're not going to grow through that. And it's not just here, it's everywhere. Barna, which is a research group that works with churches to help them understand culture a little bit better and to grow, I came up with this statistic from, this is from two years ago, from 2018, the person who calls themselves a church member, the average church member, the average what they would call themselves follower of Jesus, attends church 1.3 times per month. I mean, you can do the math, that's about 35%. Think about any aspect of your life. If you're trying to grow in that area, and you did it 35% of the time, you're actually going to grow. In fact, there's one thing I could even think of where 35% success rate is considered great, that's Major League Baseball. You get a hit one out of three times, you're going to the Hall of Fame. That's the only thing I can think of, okay? If you were in training, if you were taking a, a, a music lessons and you showed up one out of three weeks, man, you're not going to grow very well. It's not going to happen, okay? We need to make church a priority. And folks, our culture has taught us that it's not important anymore, I mean, once upon a time, everybody had this perception of church, and it was kind of at the focal point of society. It's not there anymore. And we can sit here and complain about how, how that's the case as much as we want, but the reality is it's moved off to the side. And, and you know people, I know people who uh, have been in leadership positions in churches, not necessarily pastors, but uh, elders, deacons, or, or ministry leaders who, uh, I mean, I had one that, that in a church that, that he might be gone because his kids were playing in a, in a, in a baseball tournament over the weekend. Like, how's, this, how's this work? You know, We need to make church a priority. We need to be here. There's several of you who are here every week or almost every week. Now, does that mean if you don't get perfect attendance, we're not going to succeed? No, but this needs to be a priority. Church has to be a priority, plain and simple, or our impact is, is going to dwindle. It's going to minimize. Second thing that we have to do if we want to make church a priority is we have to focus on growth. It's that simple. Now, I know I say that and a lot of people cringe. We don't want to grow. We want to be small. If you want to do that, you're rejecting what Jesus told us to do, period. Plain and simple. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Jesus was very, very clear in the, the statement that most Christians and churches want to cling to. We well, call it the Great Commission. Matthew 28 Verses, 18, or verses 19 and 20, he tells us what? Go and make disciples. I don't even need to read, read the rest of that passage. Plain and simple, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I have commanded. I know sometimes we want to focus on baptizing others and teaching them. 
But we can't baptize people and teach them if we don't go make disciples to begin with. It's, it's that simple. And folks, I'll be very, very clear. A church that doesn't care about growth isn't a church. It's a club. It's a social gathering where people talk about Jesus. That's not a bad thing, but that's not what we are supposed to be doing. Okay, that, that's not what we're called to be. Every time Jesus gave the church a mission statement, it had to do with going out and reaching lost people. Matthew 28, go make disciples. John chapter 20, he says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. One of the reasons he was sent, so you can save the lost. Okay, Acts chapter 1, go be my witnesses. In other words, go out and spread the story about me. Go reach people. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We could translate that. To, to Grant's Pass, to Oregon, to the ends of the earth. Okay, that's how it would look in, in, in our, our area. So we want to grow. It's not to grow so we can just say, hey, look how big we are. No, that's not what it's about. It's, it's about bringing people into the kingdom. And I know people want to say, man, sometimes you're, you're focused on numbers. You know what? Every number represents a story. Uh, there's, there's a church in, in Arizona that I'm very familiar with. In 2018, they baptized over 5,000 people. I mean, they don't say that to brag like, yeah, you know, we're big, mighty CCV. We're one of the five biggest churches in America. They don't say it to brag. They say that to say, hey, 5,000 people are now following Jesus that weren't a year ago. You realize that they actually baptized what would be one of the 100 biggest churches in America. That blows my mind. There aren't even that many churches that have that many people, and they baptized that many people. And then they follow up with them and disciple them and carry them along and teach them to become more like Jesus and teach them how to go make disciples. That's what a healthy church looks like. Again, it doesn't have to be that big of a number, but we need to have that focus. Bringing people in who are going to get on board to go bring more people in. That's what the disciples did. The disciples went out in groups and they went out to make disciples. And we read throughout our New Testament, you realize that some of the stuff we read about and some of the names we read about are actually disciples, not of Jesus, but of the disciples of Jesus. His disciples were making disciples who made disciples who spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Our focus needs to be on bringing more people to Jesus. To do that, we're focusing on our hospitality this year. You might have noticed that some things look different out here in the Welcome Center. They're going to continue to look different over the next few weeks. We've got a team that's uh, kind of cleaning all that up. You may say, well, why? We liked it. It's cluttered. Let's just be honest. If you're inviting somebody to your house, what's the first thing you do? You clean your house. Right now, nobody's allowed at our house. You know why? Because my girl's room is spread across our entire house. You can't get in our house right now. We've been building bunk beds the past couple weeks, so we moved everything out of their rooms. It, you know, you talk about it looks like a bomb went off. It looks like a bomb went off. I mean, it looks like we took their room and just went like this with it and spread it all over the house. So if we don't invite you over right now, don't take it personally. Our house looks like something was dumped upside down because it was. <laughs> we want to get that cleaned up. We want to get it, the clutter put away. We want to get things uh, just looking nicer. Then we invite people over. That should apply to our church, too. When you expect people to show up at your church, you need to make it look like you're expecting people to show up at your church. So, so we've got a crew. They're doing a great job already. There's still some work to be done out here cleaning up this, this entry area, making it look like when somebody shows up to visit, we not only want them, but we expect them. 
We're, we're going to work on getting them a packet. When a guest shows up, they get a packet. They get a gift saying, we're glad you're here. Thank you for coming and spending an hour and a half of your week with us. We just want to give you this, not with any condition, but just to say, hey, we love you. Thank you for coming. We're working on how we can follow up better with our guests, how we can see how their, their, their time here went, how, how we can help get them plugged in to a, an area of serving or to a home group. So we're going to focus on growth this year. We're going to focus on getting people in the door and then getting them to baptism and then getting them full, fully plugged in and become followers of Jesus. And also, too, if we want to worship together regularly, folks, we need to learn how to worship authentically. That's one of our core values. We want to authentically worship. You may say, what's that mean? It means when you come here, we don't expect you to be anybody other than who you are. We want you, messiness and all. We'll let Jesus work on the messiness. Okay? I, I would love to see people walk through this door that some churches would cringe at when they walked in. Why? Because that's what we are here for. What Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. If you're feeling good, you don't just stroll into the hospital and go, hey, can you hook me up? <laughs> I mean, if you do that, you need to go to the hospital because something's wrong with you, right? <laughs> no, you go to the hospital when you're sick, when you're in trouble, when you're dying. Okay? This church should have that same attitude. We, those of us who, you guys are you're like, man, I'm, I'm okay right now. Guess what you are? You're a doctor. You're a nurse. You're treating those people when they walk in. You're taking care of those people when they come in. We're, we're spotting people when they walk through the door, and we're going and we're greeting them. We're not overwhelming folks. We're not just burying them, but we're greeting them. We're talking to them. How are you doing today? And folks, if you ask that question, mean it. I know it's so cliche. I do this all the time. We all do this. How are you doing? I really don't want to know. You know, we, we do this, right? No, if you ask that question, mean it. How are you doing? No, seriously. How are you doing? Tell me. I can handle it. I tell people all the time uh, when, when <clears throat> they're struggling with something, like, you know what? Hey, if you need somebody to come and yell and scream at, come do it to me. I know it's not about me. Now, if you do need to come yell and scream at me, then go talk to Matt or Christine. But if you need somebody to yell and scream at because something's going on in another part of your life, dude, come to my room. We'll, my office will shut the door. You can yell and scream and get it out of your chest. That's what we're here for. That's what we are here for, to help you and to help those people who come in looking for something. So how are we going to become a better church in 2020? We're going to worship regularly. We're going to make this a priority. We're going to make our people and our guests a priority. Second thing we're going to do is this. We're going to work on our fellowship, both with the churched and the non-churched, with the believers and the unbelievers. Uh, fellowship with other believers in First John it talks about how when you fellowship with your brothers and sisters, that's like fellowshipping with God and the, and the Son and, and, and the whole, uh, Holy Spirit. That's why we practice communion every week. That's something we do as, as a group. That's why we come together every week. Now, I realize that, that um, you all like to ch- talk and chat during our, our, our time here together today. We come here to worship, yes. Worship through song, worship through lesson, worship through communion, through giving. We worship in all of those, of those aspects on a Sunday morning, but then afterwards we sit around and chat for a little while. But we're going to try as a church to do some more things. We've been guilty of this. I've been guilty of this, not getting enough uh, events on our calendar. So we're going to work at this better. We've already, it's, it's kind of funny, we were looking at the calendar. After today, it kind of lulls off. We've had something every Sunday so far this year. Maybe not for every person, but we've had something. Something for women, something for men. Last week was rooted. Today's a Super Bowl party. 
We're going to have more events with our, our men's groups, our women's groups, uh, couples groups, etc. We're, we're putting things on our calendar. Some of them are already there. Some of them are still ideas bouncing around our heads. But we're getting more things on our calendar. Why? Because we want to facilitate more opportunities for fellowship. But it's beyond just that. I want to encourage you to fellowship with each other outside of here. Open your home up. Have a game night. Uh, have, have, a, uh, have people over for, you know, a meal. You know, what, whatever it might be. Find excuses and opportunities to open your home to people from this church. Because here's the thing, folks. We, we, we talked last year. People said we want to be a small church, yet there's still so many people who don't know each other here. And we're not that big. Find opportunities to get to know each other. Have each other over for dinner. Have each, each other over for, you know, uh, I'd say a game night, but if you're super competitive, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> We've got some family we're still not on speaking terms with from Oklahoma a month ago because of board games. We probably should get over that, but here we are. <laughs> you seen that meme? You know, it's like how it shows like a table flipped over and a Monopoly board on the, on the floor, and it says... Uh, have a family game night, they said. It'd be fun, they said. That was, you know, that's the meme. Yeah, it's, that's kind of how it goes sometimes. But no, have times for fellowship. We're hoping with our men's and women's group that we can help accomplish this by, by doing events, having a, a painting night, having a, a night where um, just men go out and do something together, women go out and do something together, couples go out and do something together, just anything to hang out, fellowship, but have people over. Another way that you can fellowship uh, and focus on fellowship is through serving here. We've got three areas specifically off the top of my head I can think of. We would love to have you where you're going to get to engage in fellowship. First impressions, right out here. We're, we're trying to put together a, a team that's, that's just looking for new folks, looking to engage with people, to, to have conversations with people. Our Lord's Storehouse, I'm hearing more and more about people who are not even really fully into the church yet, are starting to serve over there. And they're getting plugged into the church through there. In fact, you probably don't know this yet, our storehouse has expanded. We had a, a, another food pantry in town reach out to us and ask us if we could handle another night. We're now open two nights a week, Mondays and Wednesdays. If you want to serve, man, go talk to Matt and Christine. Um, if you want to serve during the day, you say, I can't do those nights. Tuesdays and Fridays, right, Matt, is when they're doing their deliveries now. Especially if you've got a truck and you're able to lift some boxes, man, we could definitely use you. And they can tell you, I can tell you from popping in there, those teams, man, it's fun to watch those teams work because they have a good time. They get, I mean, it's, it's like almost like another small group for them. And you can get involved in our kids' ministry. You say, well, how's that fellowship? And you're pouring into the life of kids. You are, are, are working one-on-one with our next generation. You're, 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 you're helping out that those kids workers we have that are already getting stretched out. And you get to hang out with Titus. I mean, how much fun would that be? Terrorized, but yeah. What was the word you used to describe him the other day? He's a character. character. You get to hang out with Titus, who's a character. Or as one of the ladies from daycare called him a rascal. Another one used the term, and I can't remember what it was, but it's not super endearing. But no, that's either here or there. That's neither here nor there. The point is, you get to hang out with Titus over in this room. So folks, we want a fellowship this year. We want to improve and increase our fellowship. And third, here's what we want to do. We want to continue seeking after God. 
This one might be our most important thing here, but it's something I want to make sure we're doing. We're continuing to seek after God. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is, is giving this prayer. Paul always starts his letters off with this prayer for the people who are receiving it. And here's what he says in this prayer. I love this. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 16, he says, I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope uh, he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. Notice the theme over and over there. What's Paul praying for? I'm praying that you improve and increase your knowledge of God. You improve and increase what you know about him and your wisdom in him. How do we do this? Simple. Through daily commitment to scripture reading and prayer. You can't learn to communicate better with somebody unless you just do it. You can't learn to get to know someone better unless you're spending time with them. That's why we date our our future spouse for a long time before we commit to marriage. Why? We want to get to know them. That's not possible if we're not with them, communicating with them, talking to them over and over. And, And I would kind of think of it this way too. If we want to seek after God, why are we doing that? So that we can become more like him and less like the world around us. The more you're around and putting in uh, things that are good and healthy into your life, the more likely your life is to be good and healthy. In other words, you could say it like this, good things in, good things out, or bad things in, bad things out. You sit around and watch a bunch of stuff with uh, harsh language and, and uh, you know, morally questionable things in it, that's probably how your language is going to come out, just kind of natural, happens that way. So here's the thing for us, if, if, if we want to kind of commit to that, one of our core values, to relentlessly pursue a deeper, more transforming relationship with God, we need to do two things. First, uh, or we need to understand what it does for us. The first one is this, this allows us to see the me God sees. When you're seeking after God, when you're pursuing after God, it allows you to see the you that God sees. Not the you the world has labeled a certain way. Because we all have labels, we all have titles, we all have categories the world has put on us. Uh, you know, I, I could rattle all those off about myself if I wanted to, or about you if, if we wanted to. But we see the world off, or we see ourselves often the way the world or our friends and family around us see us. How does God see us? John chapter 1, it says this, To all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. In other words, when you accept Jesus and when you pursue after Jesus, none of those other labels matter. None of those other descriptions matter. Nothing you've done, nothing you have become matters. You are now a child of God, period. Man, for me, I love that. Because I don't know about you, I've got some things in my past I'm embarrassed about. Some things that you could label me with I'm embarrassed about. And God takes an eraser and just takes that away. No, no, no. You're my child. You were adopted into him. When you're adopted into him, you lose your old name. You have his name now. So that's what you get. And in 2020, my hope is that every single one of us learns to embrace and experience that new identity more. The other thing it does, when you pursue after God, it keeps us from becoming like the world. It keeps us from becoming like the world and defined as the world wants to define us. Romans chapter 12 says this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person 
by changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let's just be honest with ourselves, folks. If you aren't pursuing God's will for your life, you're living a bit of a selfish existence. You're pursuing what you want. You're pursuing what what feels good. And that's what our world tells us. If it feels good, do it. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Folks, we weren't created for this world. We're here temporarily. We're, we're, We're here, this is a blip on our eternal radar. We're created for the kingdom. And it's a kingdom that we haven't really fully realized yet. We won't until one of these days when Jesus comes back. But in the meantime, we're supposed to pursue that and prepare our minds for that. Now, hear me out. This doesn't mean you can't have fun. This doesn't mean you can't enjoy some of the things of the world. We're having a Super Bowl party here in a couple hours, okay? It doesn't mean you can't enjoy the things of the world. It just means you don't allow the things of the world to craft and define you. Romans chapter 1, it talks about one of the most tragic things that's happened where we stopped worshiping the Creator and we started worshiping the created things. What happened? God gave us over to a depraved mind. Does that describe our country and culture today? We've stopped worshiping the Creator and what have we started worshiping? Mankind. Well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. That's worshiping mankind. Now, there's a way to be truthful and be tactful about it and be nice about it. You know, being truthful doesn't mean you got to be a jerk. But that's what we want to do, folks. We want to focus on God. Enjoy the world, but don't get caught up in the world. Live in the world, but don't live of the world. That's our hope and our goal as we move forward is that we want to become less like the world and more like God. To kind of help with that, we've, we've laid out our teaching series for the rest of uh, the first half of this year, all the way up through the end of June. And we, we've got three series upcoming that are all hopefully going to help you with that. I don't normally let you guys know what I'm preaching ahead of time, but I'm going to go ahead and do that. Next week, we start a new series called Meat and Potatoes. And I'm going to sit here every week for four weeks and eat a steak right in front of you. I wish. No, I'm not going to do that. No, what's meat and potatoes about? It's about this right here. We're going to spend four weeks talking about what our Bible is. Now you go, okay, well, yeah, I get it. It's a Bible. Okay, yes, it's a Bible. It's a collection of books. It's a collection of 66 books and letters written by dozens of authors over, yes, that's what it is. But what do we do with it? So over four weeks, we're going to look at how, number one, we prioritize this and commit to it every day. Number two, we study it. We, we let it transform our minds. Number three, we learn to memorize it, let it penetrate our hearts. And then number four, we learn how to apply it. We learn how to let it direct our lives. After that, we're going to do a series called Wind and Fire. Wind and Fire is a four-week series about the Holy Spirit. A topic we don't talk a lot about. A topic that's very misunderstood. Francis Chan famously called the Holy Spirit the forgotten God because we just... Don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. Kind of like the book of Revelation. There's a lot we don't know. It's a little bit scary sometimes. So what are we going to talk about with the Holy Spirit? Number one, how he's a person, not a thing. He's a person. We're going to talk about how he is a, as a presence in our lives, how he gives a, a, a purpose in our lives, and how we have his power in our lives. That leads us up to Easter, and then after Easter, we're going to come out, and we're going to do a series all the way through the book of Ephesians. 
Ephesians is a book that is a, is a letter some authors have called the most important thing ever written. Some scholars have referred to it as the most important letter ever written. We think about Romans being heavy and important. Ephesians, in, in just six short chapters, it really breaks down uh, the depths of God's work in your life, but most importantly for us, the call to unity in the church and the importance of unity in the church and the power of unity in the church. That's our next four months, five months, all the way up to the end of June. We're going to go through those three series, and we're going to see what God has in store for us this year. See, folks, here's the thing as we wrap this up today. I want to leave you with this thought as we barrel into 2020. This this phrase I heard a long time ago, and I love it. The church is only as strong as it is united. As we get into this year, I, I, I want us to make this the best year that we've had. The best year this church has had, the best year we've had since I've been here. But folks, it can only happen if we rally together and focus on our mission. What's our mission here? We exist to help people take their next step with Christ. Plain and simple. We exist to help people take their next step with Jesus. That next step is different for everybody. We're all on a journey that is, our our paths are different. So I don't know what that next step is. Maybe that next step is coming to church for the very first time. Maybe their next step is their first step. Maybe their next step is accepting Jesus as Savior. Maybe their next step is getting baptized and submitting to him and following him. Maybe their next step is joining a home group or learning how to serve. Maybe their next step is learning how to disciple somebody else. Maybe their next step is going off into the mission field. Folks, I want to think big this year. I don't want us to think this year based on maybe how last year went or the year before that went. I want to look forward and look ahead. I want to dream big. I want to vision big this year. You may go, well, we can't do that. No, we can't. God can, though. And if we get out of his way, he can do so much more, Ephesians says, abundantly more than we can think or dream. But we have to let him do that. So the church is only as strong as it is united. Unity, it does not mean that we agree on everything. That's not what unity is. Unity is coming together for the mission and vision in spite of our disagreements and putting that above everything. That's why I love working with the elders that we have. We don't all agree on everything in the room. A little glimpse into our elders' meetings. We don't all agree on everything all the time. But we check our disagreements at the door for the unity of the church. We check, check our egos. We check our, well, I have to have it this way at the door for the unity of the church. And we push forward with that. Here's my challenge and my call to you in 2020. That we be the witnesses of Christ in Grant's Pass and all across this valley and all across this state. And in one person at a time, we help Jesus get known to the ends of the earth. We make Jesus famous this year. We recommit to that. And my hope, my call this year is that you're on board with this. That we're stepping together. We're stepping in the same direction together. Let's make Jesus famous in 2020, folks. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, that you give us the awesome responsibility of your church. God, that work that you started on this earth 2,000 years ago, you handed it off to us. 
God, not so that we could show up and just take care of ourselves, Lord, but that we could branch out, bring everybody together. God, we could help those who are hurting. God, we could help those who are lost. God, we could help those who have never heard your name and are currently running away from you and rejecting the gospel. We could still help them, Lord. We could reach out being a church that loves, being a church that is warm and welcoming and intentional about reaching your world. God, we understand and remember that this is all your creation. And every person we come across is somebody you created and that you loved and that you died for. God, that we would treat them the same way you would treat them if they came to you today. God, we're so thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for those challenging mission statements that he gave us to go and make disciples. Lord, to continue your work and be sent as you were sent and to go be your witnesses. Those are challenging. We can't do those just sitting still. God, you would give us the mindset to be intentional, to engage others, to learn to share our stories because our stories are valuable. And God, you would remind every single one of us that each of us has a unique story that can reach people that maybe my story can't. So God, I pray for this room today, for this this church, this body, this community. Lord, that we would remember why we're here. God, we're so thankful. We pray today in Jesus' name. Amen.